Welcome to Asia Rising, a podcast from La Trobe, Asia, where we discuss news, views and general happenings of Asian states and societies. There's a proven link between the benefits of sport programs within schools, not just through personal development, but also community cohesion. My guest today is Dr. Bijou Philip, a researcher from the Latrobe Business School and a Latrobe Asia Fellow in 2023. He's been applying sport programs in schools in India, a country which is culturally and linguistically diverse, and he's the lead author of the newest issue of the Latrobe Asia Brief titled School Sport for Development in India, along with Nikhil Jha and Greg Dingle. Thank you for joining me, Bijou. Thanks, Matt. If you could uh, give us a bit of a foundation, a bit of background uh, for your work on this, what is sport for development and how can sport be used to encourage development in schools and communities? Yeah, it's a simple definition of sport for development is using the power of sport as a tool to achieve non-sport objectives, actually. Yeah. So when we normally play sport, we assume that elite development or competition is what we are assuming. But in sport for development, we are applying this project or this initiative. The reason is achieving non-sport objectives like physical health or mental health, community development, individual development, any type of objective that is not specifically sport or competition or, you know, playing ability. Okay, okay. So this is uh, widespread thinking as well, I gather then, because it's not just uh, something that can be applied at small scale or at school scale. It can be community level, but also, you know, international sports, which you use to develop economies and global cooperation and those sort of things, isn't it? Yeah. So this is widely used, sport for development. From a theoretical point of view, we can use micro level. If one school wanted to implement, they can do that. If all schools in a country wanted to do, they can do in a MISO level or organizational level, we can do it as well. So micro, MISO and uh, macro level implementation is possible. Yeah. So a number of areas, uh, sport for development applied, some uh, cohesion, some uh, social inclusion, or peace building, number of areas it is done. But my study is basically social inclusion is what I looked at uh, India. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so why social inclusion and, and why India? India, one reason I am basically from India, one reason. Another reason is India is culturally and linguistically diverse. So when we uh, say this, people assume that uh, Australia also uh, linguistically diverse and culturally diverse. Completely different level. (laughs) Very different level. That is what we need to understand because India has more than two dozens or almost two dozens of uh, accepted languages. It is written, spoken by millions of people, not one or two or small group of people. It is not a dialect. So that is one thing, uh, linguistic diversity. So if you go from one state to another state, it is completely different language. It is not like we go from uh, New South Wales to Victoria. We all speak a similar language or anywhere in Australia, English is uh, spoken. I mean, English is widely spoken in Australia because of it was a British colony, but still some people don't understand what you say at all. So mm. linguistic diversity. Another diversity many people struggle to understand is cultural diversity. So it is not multicultural group we are talking about. So especially some religious groups, they have different layers or different levels. So 
one I can say predominantly is caste system. Mm-hmm. So there are lower caste, middle kind of caste and higher caste, three different ways we can bring, but classification goes much more than that. Mm. The way you were born into it, number of ways as well. So this created for a long kind of issues like systemic discrimination and all. So social inclusion is one way needed in India, much more than any diversified context we're talking about Melbourne or anywhere else, because multicultural Melbourne is a multicultural context, but yeah. this is much more complex than uh, what we think as you or assume. Yeah, yeah. And where you were working uh, to do these programs, which were the southern India states, you were talking before about how diversity can change from state to state. I, I, I gather in that region, from what I understand, it can change from, from valley to valley yeah. kind of thing. So uh, my program was done in southern India. So it's a rural hill area where three states come together, actually, Kerala, Karnataka, and Tamil Nadu. But the program was an exact location is Tamil Nadu. Yeah. So this is another challenge as well. So three or four languages spoken in that area, actually. So yeah, okay. some people speak Malayalam, that is from Kerala. Some people speak Kannada, that is uh, from Karnataka and uh, Tamil local as well. Then another group can understand maybe more than one language as well. So this was another linguistic challenge associated to answer your question. Yes, countryside may have much more, you know, or need more inclusion than maybe city side because more traditional communities are all involved with that as well. So that pocket to pocket, that difference will come. But mine was a rural kind of setting the research context to us. Okay. And uh, tell me about the program then itself. What was the theory behind it? How did you decide to apply it? So the the main thinking behind this sport for development program was implementing systematic sport for development approach. So sport for development mainly can have theoretically two subdivisions. One is sport plus and yeah. plus sport. Sport plus is you use more of sport for development objective and uh, plus sport is you mostly go for development objectives and you use sport as a hook. So okay. that's a, so yeah, theoretically yeah. thin layer of difference, but which come first, that's a way we yeah, theoretically yeah. There's, divide. There's so, a difference where that plus is. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So my program was a sport plus program. So what I have done, because my background, I'm a soccer coach and athletic coach in Australia as well. So what I was intended to do is knowledge transfer. So kind of a coach the coach program was we were aiming to achieve there. So develop coaching within community, uh, peer coaches, so that they will be able to run the program. Through that, talk more about achieving the inclusion objectives. That's what bringing uh, the whole community rather than one group or two groups. That was the intention. So we have implemented in three schools to develop the program. One school was a private school, so predominantly non-indigenous group of people. And the two schools were indigenous group of people. So that was the main social inclusion we look at. What are the benefits or disadvantages of bringing indigenous and non-indigenous children together and playing and building that inclusion? That's what we looked at. Yeah, yeah. You said earlier that you would anticipate some sort of challenges going into this kind of environment and implementing these programs. Did you see that play out on the field? Yeah, number of ways there were challenges. One is... um, Cultural, because even though I come from an Indian background and I worked with coaches locally, 
still i struggle to understand certain things first day or second day yeah why things are happening that way still so it took time to learn even if my background was indian and i lived there and studied through primary school secondary and university first and second degree i completed and worked for a few years so i had at least two plus decades of uh, almost three <laughs> decades of experience living born indian but still uh, that was a struggle because your previous question pocket to pocket culture will change a bit mm-hmm. and it sometimes it is very difficult so that's why we need to work with local communities to gain it another challenge was as i mentioned linguistic challenge because if i speak in tamil one group will understand another group may not understand mm. if i speak in malayalam one group will understand so we might need at least two or three different type of translators to do it as well again dialects or languages within that some of my terms i am using may not be right appropriate so that type of challenges were there that can happen anyway but multi language system this is it you might need two or three translators right. to do at a time yeah. so that's another challenge as well yeah yeah okay and and what sort of response did you get implementing these programs then response ways it's amazing especially people like soccer in that community when i say uh, one community in india like soccer from an overseas perspective people think oh i thought cricket you know what i mean or something else that would be the uh, the logical stereotype yeah stereotype <laughs> yes yeah so but this community it's an indigenous community and non-indigenous group there they mostly love soccer mm-hmm. so something this is new knowledge so i introduce small sided football touch football in the sense small passes like um, touch and go uh, tikka taka they call it uh, the traditional model of soccer they played is long shots and uh, somebody take it or miss it but i said hold the ball touch it touch it how many times you can touch it that's the way we count that was very interesting and they welcomed it and uh, it's a new knowledge i embraced fully embraced i can't even find a single uh, disappointment in that taking the program they fully embraced the program they enjoyed it and still they are enjoying after a decade actually they they are still enjoying that's what the feedback i get as well yeah yeah, yeah. and you would spoke as well about the goal of using sport in this kind of way is about uh, social cohesion and community as well did you see those kind of of benefits yeah from theoretical point of view i used intergroup contact theory so that is a proven theory number of countries it is proven that when you bring people together and they work for some time yeah. so two things has to come part of that one is contact another thing is the time as well they work together so the relationship get smoother and all so that was clearly there but again caste system some low caste is not supposed to mix with high caste or high caste is not supposed to mix with low caste these norms are there you need to understand these are the challenges in india actually because mm. there are a number of reasons the job they do or the way they born into a house or the food they eat because we have vegetarian non vegetarian also some people prefer some meat they don't eat red meat and all mm. um so when you talk about social inclusion i was thinking about how parents will take it but okay yeah it was open and the school took responsibility for that and they were happy with all these things i didn't see any issues as such but again 
people's feeling about it, uh, whether high caste come to a low caste, low caste feeling, I could, there were evidence about it, self-discrimination and number of things like that. Yeah. But we provide contact through soccer. So they come for a number of times and uh, through that they got connection, knowing the name or knowing the person, building that friendship. That steps worked actually. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. What you're describing then is a, is a very challenging environment and I can anticipate how difficult it would be to apply these from the small scale to the large scale. So if you could extrapolate this kind of program, um, how would you go about that? Yeah, so moving from small scale to larger scale, we might need a number of different approaches to. Definitely, if you go from a small to large scale, that is a kind of bottom-up approach theoretically. But we need top-down support as well, policies or government support. And also, uh, our program was building uh, talents inside and they go outside and train, inside-out support as well. So outside in support, we need other stakeholders support as well. So in my view, it should be more a community of practice kind of things. Everybody come together and uh, discussing what is right, what is wrong. So that is a way small level it should go. When it comes to higher level, Indian government, state governments and uh, other bureaucrats coming together, working with the communities or implementing the program, whether it is useful. So it is scalable. For surely it is scalable, but number of stakeholders should work together to do that. Also, rather than for my case, I am from Indian background, going back to India, much more friendly. I know India as well, but any researchers involving from overseas, outside India, it is really useful to be part of somebody locally understanding the culture and the context as well, and that kind of connection. So it is best to have, from a theoretical point, communities of practice, different uh, stakeholders coming together and uh, discussing. And uh, from different models, we need to do pilot studies. Mm. From that pilot studies, we should pick the right things and uh, implementing it uh, meso, macro levels application. That may be best to go for rather than one place we found something and implementing everywhere. Because silos and pockets we have, it may not be applicable in other places of yeah. the context. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that the system is in place or, or flexible enough for this kind of application then? The problem and challenges with most of the developing countries, the priorities are different. Yeah. That is the issue. So you have limited resources and a large number of needs to meet. So then you go for top five, top two, top three. So whether social inclusion or sport-based development, is it one of the priority? That is a question. So it is still doable. So that's why I think it is best to do ground level and build all the work. But we need funding for that. And, uh, you know, a number of groups we need to organize, maybe school-to-school school, uh, initiatives we can do, a mm. uh, number of things we can. So if the system is ready there, I don't think so. But creating the system eventually. So these type of initiatives, I think we can be a force if it is really true. And I believe this is really true. And uh, Support for Development has the power to do number of benefits for India and the Indian schools. That's what I believe as a researcher. And I have been working this for more than a decade and 
some clear evidence I have through research as well. Mm-hmm. So in the meantime, then, would you recommend that the implementation comes from schools then? Is that a more achievable direction? We, uh, school I see as a strategic location. Okay. So the one thing is school can bring students to school. So you go to one place and you can meet all your participants. Mm. Rather than you go to a community, then you need to organize them to come there. Logistics, again, uh, when you talk about logistics, you need to understand that in a rural setting, uh, logistics is uh, very difficult because some may be 30 kilometers away. Mm. There may not be a road transport to go. So special transport is needed because I'm sharing from my own experience, actually. So we provided Jeep or other private transport facilities for students, players to come. Wow. Uh, and uh, first program was 13 schools. So you are not going to one school. It, all of them has to come. And it was a residential program. It was a Friday evening, Saturday night two days three nights uh, kind of program wow uh, yeah, so yeah. so all of them coming logistics is difficult so you, again this is another thing city you might think oh go to city and uh, find people you might easily find it but that is not the case with rural context as well so school is a strategic location so if you go there uh, your participants are already there another layer of uh, responsibility with school teachers if they involve and the school leadership so number of risk factors you can avoid and they have a structure we can work within that structure as well. That's why I think schools are a a strategic location. And also, in my view, parents should involve. That is the next level of research we need to do. And I strongly believe schools have the capacity to bring parents as well. That is what uh, my strong inclination. Yeah, okay, okay. And how can other countries help India with this kind of, of implementation of these programs? We need research cooperation. Yeah. So it is not just money or anything. Australia has number of uh, research and uh, even sport for development research, number of researchers working in this area. And we have a lot of uh, knowledge about how to do it. But still, we need to understand Australia also need to work around indigenous uh, group of people and their schooling. So something Australia can learn through this process as well. So I really think there is an opportunity for both Australia and India to work together because we have some advancement in research. But if you take India, Sport for Development Public Research, my work is the only work initiated by an Indian, initiated for a long-term study. There is no such study published research yet. But there are a lot of work happening, published research out of a program implemented with the purpose of Sport for Development. There are a lot of programs doing in India with Sport for Development, but publications are limited. So Australia can work towards that and uh, we have some clear scientific evidence. So working together and uh, maybe how these programs can help in schools in especially sport for development is non-sport development so how we can achieve uh, some of the sustainable development goals like uh, quality education or uh, health gender equality or environmental knowledge sharing or things like that so it is good opportunity for both australia and india to work together in this space that's what my um, thinking yeah okay so you are the author the lead author of the most recent issue of the latrobe asia brief uh, thank you very much for your labor and work on that uh, so what did you learn about your work in the process of doing that did it make you think of anything different and which direction are you going to take this research in the future do you think yeah uh, first time 
I am working with multiple group of people with different skill set or different countries actually. Yeah. Because previously my publication is was or the research was with mostly I worked with Australian in academics and that was the way. But here Nikhil Jha is based in India. His specialty is uh, economics and uh, also school development or economics of schools. That's a type of area. Yeah. Greg Dingle is also coming from a sport management and uh, specialty and also climate change specialty. That's the area he publishes and research as well. Number of uh, amazing things like as a lead author, yes, when you bring the idea, uh, the small details these co-authors brought in was amazing and uh, how that help the overall publication i i think because some of the recent developments what is happening in india with elite sport mostly i mean even though we call it for example kelo india and its benefits nikhil was able to bring those ideas into it and discuss with that so i thought that was fantastic yeah. you know greg from different aspect his coaching experience and his experience with publication international involvement lot of ideas bringing so when we work together there is synergy we can leverage on things as well so that is amazing and especially when you go for new ventures like this that is very promising mm. and i am looking forward to tap on it it's not only with this group other groups also i have discussion happening now yeah okay great that's great stuff bishu philip thank you for your time today thanks matt appreciate you've been listening to asia rising a podcast from latrobe asia It was hosted and produced by me, Matt Smith, at La Trobe University in Melbourne, Australia, on unceded Wurundjeri land. Thanks for listening.